Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Back in 2013, my boyfriend and I had moved to a different town for a year. We ended up finding an old house from 1909 and renting it for the year. A few months after we moved in, we occasionally started hearing these really loud thumping and banging noises coming from the ceiling. The sounds would never start until we were in bed for the night and the TV was off. The attic had been sealed up and there were no holes for animals to get in. Sometimes they would be so loud that it would rattle the entire house. Nobody would believe me, so I tried recording some of these noises. Have a listen. We did have friends stay overnight a couple of times, but of course the thumping sounds would never happen when they were there. We asked around and tried to find any possible explanation for this, but couldn't come up with anything. Eventually I came up with the idea to record in the bedroom while we were sleeping. I immediately caught two things over the next couple of nights. Neither of these voices are my boyfriend, and since I was alone a lot during the night, boyfriend worked odd shifts. I decided that I'd rather be ignorant than scared to sleep in my own house, so I stopped recording. I'm sort of curious what anyone thinks about this or if they can understand the EVPs. It was a happy day when we were able to move away from there. So when I was about 8, my mom married my now stepdad and we moved into a 5 bedroom house to fit the whole family. My siblings got the bedrooms upstairs while I got the bedroom in the basement. I remember crying for hours refusing to go down there because I was scared of the dark and I felt like something was watching me. I remained with the feeling until I moved out 2 years ago shortly after I turned 18. Let's skip to June of the first year we were there. I had this weird nightmare involving Bigfoot the monster from the Black Lagoon, a mummy, and something else I can't remember. They killed my mom and pushed me off of a cliff. Every June every year I lived there, I had a nightmare, all in the same location. Time didn't progress in the dreams except for my age. The final dream, I defeated the monsters and then the next month I moved out of the house. But more happened in the house. So it had two bathrooms, one just had a toilet and a shower in the basement, and directly above it was the main bathroom with a tub. When I was 12, I was taking a shower and I was playing with a marble for some reason. I dropped it and it bounced on the tub, making the sound ding, ding, ding. 
I picked up the marble and from underneath the tub, as it was exposed to the basement, something knocks on the tub. Ding, ding, ding. I assumed it was my stepdad being funny and I knocked on the tub, ding, ding, and he knocks back, ding, ding. I knock again and he knocks again. I laugh and get out of the shower. I get dressed and go into the living room and that's when I remember. I was home alone. My parents had left before I got into the shower. I spent the next hour in the living room until they got back and had them show me the house was clear. Fast forward to 16, my girlfriend was staying the night. I don't know what she was doing but I was in my room playing video games and I hear her call out my name. I get up and go see what she wants and seem to have spooked her. Apparently she had just saw me walk into the laundry room, also in the basement, and was certain of it that she thought maybe it was somebody else in there. I checked, and it was empty. Things like this continued until I moved out. I would see my mom go into the downstairs bathroom, but she was in the laundry room. I would see my girlfriend go into my bedroom, but she was upstairs in the living room. Once she saw me walking up the stairs and heard the stairs creaking as I walked up, but she went to the room and I was playing on the computer. I finally moved out of that house and the nightmare stopped, and I haven't seen anybody entering a room since either, but it still freaks me out. I've known about this experience that my mom had for a while and thought I'd share it here to get some of your thoughts. A little background, my mom was born and raised in a very, very remote and small town in India. If you've ever been to India, you'll know that once you leave the major cities, the country is composed vastly of agricultural areas. Her village was primarily all farmers, so almost 95% of the town was made up of these huge acres and acres of farms that stretched out for miles. Every household had huge amounts of land that they would use to farm on. This was about 34 years ago in a very rural part of India, so a lot of their small roads were narrow and made of gravel. Keep in mind that most people traveled by foot because cars were way too expensive and didn't serve a purpose for a largely agricultural town. Now, India is also extremely diverse in terms of the type of communities that live there. So you have the townsfolk but also have indigenous populations as well who cross through from time to time, again, usually always on foot. So my mom's family was also primarily farmers, and adults and kids would all help out at the farm. My mom was 11 at the time, and she was helping my great-grandfather at the farm. So my great-grandfather was doing some work that was near the boundary of our farm and the neighbor's farm. The two farms were separated by a small gravel road. The rest of the area was all farmland. The neighbor's farmhouse was maybe a minute or so away by foot because they were so close to the boundary. Anyway, my great-grandfather told my mom to keep working and stay where she was and that he would be back in a little while because he needed to go grab some tools. He told her if she needed anything that she could walk over to the neighbor's farmhouse. Fast forward 20 or so minutes, my mom's by herself minding her own business with no one around her. In the distance, she sees what looks like a stray dog very common in India, come down the gravel road. Then right behind the dog, she starts to see a woman. Right after the woman, my mom saw two children, then a large camel, then a lot more people. All in all, she described what was about 15 to 20 people and maybe three camels. They started to get more clear as they were walking down the road. 
my mom noticed they belonged to a different community because of the way they were dressed. It took them a little while to get to where my mom was because they were pretty far off in the distance. When the woman sees my mom, she stopped everyone and she calls my mom over. So my mother goes over because again, this is a small town in India and there's not much crime activity or anything to be afraid of. The woman asks my mom where this road leads and at first my mom couldn't understand her so well because the woman had a strong accent that was hard to understand. Again, common in India because there's probably hundreds of different languages there. So it took my mom a few seconds to process and understand what the woman said. My mom eventually understood, but she had a slow response time. Before my mom could reply, the woman asked my mom if she would be willing to walk them down the road and points forward. At this moment, the dog that was with the group kind of starts to get a bit more rowdy and growls a bit. My mom has always been deathly afraid of dogs because stray dogs in India are pretty aggressive. So as soon as she hears some growling, my mom starts running to the neighbor's farmhouse. It was about a minute or so away, so she got there pretty quick when running. She tells the neighbor about the dog and the group of people asking for directions. The neighbor asks my mom to show him where they were so he can talk to them. They go back to the road again, all of this maybe spanning about two and a half minutes at max. When the two of them get back to the road, there's absolutely no one in sight. No camels, no people, no kids, no animals. Everyone is literally gone. Now it's possible that that group of people booked it out of there with their children and camels, but if you've ever seen a camel in real life, they're pretty slow. So my mom thought it was really weird that they had all just disappeared in a matter of minutes. It's possible that they went off of the road and into the surrounding farms, but they still would have been visible since it was just the start of the farming season and no crops were big enough to hide entire people, and certainly not camels. Fast forward to that night, my mom tells the rest of her family the unusual encounter she had. She doesn't believe it to be paranormal at the time, but thinks it's extremely unusual and can't figure out where those people could have gone. One of my great aunts immediately tells her that the group of people my mom saw sounds like a type of spirit. She says that the spirit's main objective is to trick people with illusions that ultimately lead the person into harm and serious injury. And now I don't know if I even believe that explanation or not. But what I know is that my mom believes that there was no way those people could have disappeared into thin air in just a few minutes. There was nowhere for them to go but open land. Does anyone have any thoughts? To start, me and my buddy were sitting on the back smoking. We were outside during the winter and we made quick work of what we had rolled up and headed back inside. We couldn't have been outside more than 5-8 to eight minutes max. A sliding glass door leads directly into my living room and we sat on the couch. He noticed that the PlayStation 4 controller had moved from the coffee table to the kitchen counter. The kitchen isn't far away from the living room so we just assumed that one of us had put it there without noticing. The TV I own doesn't have an on button directly on it so we needed a remote to turn it on. We couldn't find it for the lives of us. We tore apart the couch and love seat, looked under them, checked the kitchen, and it was nowhere to be seen. This whole endeavor for the remote lasted a total of 10 minutes, so we decided to go to the basement TV, hook up the PlayStation 4, and play there. We turned on the TV and started playing. For about 3 hours, we played until 2am. We got tired and decided it was time to head to bed. At this point, we were coming down and we were just really tired. I crashed immediately. 
I woke up at 4.15am to the sound of something banging downstairs in the living room. After five minutes of this banging, I decided to go and find out what it was. At this point, I'm completely sober. I stepped over my buddy and headed down the stairs from my room on the second story. When I turned the light on at the bottom of the stairs, everything went completely quiet. Nothing. No banging. Nothing at all. I noticed the sliding door was opened ajar and I could see the little pile of snow on the floor. I closed the door, locked it, and barred it. If you don't know what that is, it's just a bar you put on the track of the door so it doesn't slide even if it's unlocked. What caught my attention was that the remote control in the living room was clearly sitting on the coffee table. I remember thinking to myself, wow, we're complete morons for not finding that. I flipped the switch on the bottom of the stairs and start going back up to bed. As soon as my butt hits the bed, an extremely loud crash and clanging comes from the living room. This scared the crap out of me. I didn't check it out this time and I just laid in bed waiting to fall back asleep. The next morning we head downstairs in the broad of daylight and I saw the sliding glass door open about halfway with a lock completely thrown off the wall and the door bar was wrecked, like bent and busted. It's a metal rod meant to keep a huge glass door from opening, so I immediately checked whether anything was robbed or stolen but couldn't notice anything, except one thing was missing. The remote control was no longer on the coffee table from where I saw it the last night. The next night was probably the worst nights of my life. My friend left around noon that day. He helped me seal the door with a couple of pieces of wood and some broken hockey sticks. Since there was no lock anymore, we went overkill and put so much garbage on the track that nothing could even make the door budge. The day was normal. Nothing really happened, a little bit of sounds here and there, but nothing that I couldn't blame on the pipes or wind. As soon as nightfall hit, that's when things started getting weird. I felt like the sounds turned into knocking. Like now it wasn't house sounds anymore. It felt like it was something more human-like and deliberate. I noticed this when I coughed and heard a knock directly after. I tested it, and without fail every time I coughed a knock would follow. I started coughing violently like I was having an asthma attack or something and coughed in the most silent way possible and the knocking followed along. This freaked me out. I was communicating with something in some way and I didn't like it. So I said screw it, closed my bedroom door and went to sleep. Again, two nights in a row I wake up to banging. At this point I'm so angry and freaked out that I wanted to know what is causing this. I told myself, ghosts don't exist, just some messed up kids in the neighborhood being little a-holes outside banging on stuff. This was just a thought to justify why I'm running in the darkness where disembodied banging is coming from. I grab my phone and turn on the flashlight. I ran down the stairs and turned the light on at the bottom. The living room lit up and nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary. I examined the room and still saw nothing. As soon as I turned around, something knocked on the glass sliding door, then the kitchen window, the dining room window, the office windows, and finally it stopped at the front door. The knocking went completely around half of my house in about four seconds. I ran upstairs closed my door, hid under the covers before I finally passed out. I've never been so scared in my life. The next morning, I've never been so distraught in my life, but it was just about to get worse. I pulled the covers from over my head to my completely sunlit room. To my horror, the living room remote control was sitting on my lap with all the numbers and icons scratched out. 
I hopped in my car with my robe on and sped over to my parents' house. I'm 25 and I've never had a single paranormal experience outside of my four years of college. During those four years, I had upwards of 20 different unique experiences, alone and with other people. I went to a small liberal arts college in New England and was good friends with one of the public safety officers who worked the night shifts. He and I would spend many late nights observing all the old buildings till early morning, and let me tell you, it almost always resulted in unexplainable happenings. Having said that, one night we were in the basement of the science building. X, my public safety officer friend, had told me that the men's room had some peculiar activity lately. The one automatic toilet would flush on its own, as well as the motion sensor lights would turn on simultaneously. We had set out to see if it would happen again. After an hour of listening and observing, we eventually tried to ask and reason with whoever into activating the motion lights and motion flush toilet. Eventually the motion lights kicked on to our amusement and we backed down the hallway to give it more space. Mainly I think it freaked us out. It basically turned the light on on command. Anywho, X was thanking it for answering our plea and was trying to see if it would flush the toilet as well. A couple of minutes of silence go by and X looks at me with a puzzled face, asking me if I hear that. It was a rapid ticking sound, very faint but almost grew louder the moment I noticed. We eventually find the source, a basic wall clock in the main hallway. The minute, hour, and second hand were flying around the clock. I've never seen anything like that. It was like someone was just cranking the dials in the back of it as hard as they could. We both stared at it for a minute, in disbelief I think, and I eventually uttered a command to stop that, and it stopped. We took the sucker off the wall so fast. I like to find reasons for why things that seem paranormal occur, I looked to debunk before I even deem it a ghostly encounter. I was certain that I'd find the clock hooked up to a wire that led to someone messing with us. X was quite the joker, so I was dead set on being played. This is a cheap little thing, probably ten bucks at Staples or something. There were no wires, just the knobs for the three hands on the back. I couldn't find a reasonable explanation. X swore to me it wasn't his doing, and that for all the times he had been through the building, he'd seen it do that once, about a year or two prior, but at a different time of night. This occurred to us at around 1.18am, if I recall correctly. So we put it back on the wall and wandered the rest of the building, trying to figure out how and why this clock did that. On the second floor of the same building, we pass a small lounge and common area, and we both see it. The same style and brand clock above one of the sofas, it's doing the exact same thing as the one downstairs. We look at each other, and I yell at it for it to stop. It doesn't stop as suddenly as the first clock, but probably five or six seconds later. Note that the second clock spun much shorter than the first clock did, and basically on my command did both clocks stop, and I mean entirely stop, completely frozen. We investigated the second clock, same deal, not hooked up to wires, just the knobs. I placed it back on the wall and we called it a night. On the way out through the basement door we passed the first clock. It had reset to the current time and was ticking normally now. It did this while X and I were upstairs. We were a little too freaked out to see if the upstairs clock had reset itself too. Now, I did some research on this clock brand. Obviously I can't remember the name now and 
found no hints of why they would behave the way we witnessed. We thought maybe it was daily mechanical reset, but both occurred at different times, as well as the first time X witnessed it the year or two prior. Plus, these little cheap clocks were just not mechanically advanced for it to have that type of action, you know. I'm not sure if it was due to the low battery, or what, but to have those two clocks go hyperdrive at two separate times at two separate locations was pretty insane. Also to have them both stop, seemingly on command as well, as resetting to the correct time after leaving the clock stuck on the time it stopped at was really intriguing. Was it paranormal? I'm really thinking it was. Is there an explanation for what I witnessed? Maybe. I hope so. Maybe someone reading this will know. Was it the best way to spend my Friday night? You bet. We investigated that building many a time after that night, at different times of night and early morning, and we never experienced anything from those clocks or any clock again. That basement men's bathroom, however, is a whole nother story for next time. This happened when I was in college when I moved into a house in a lake in a rural area with two other guys. We would call them roommate A and roommate B. The house was a single level ranch with a large open basement. The three bedrooms and bathroom were connected by the same hallway located at one end of the house. At the other end of this hallway was the dining room, kitchen, and living room. The house wasn't occupied for a while and some weird stuff started happening since day one. So, this is a compilation of events that happened to each of us over the year that we lived in that house. A little background information. We went to a school that was based off of trimesters and had school year-round, so we had three sets of finals every year and the activities seemed to increase around this time. All these stories aren't going to be in a linear timeline, just stuff that happened over the year. Roommate A was the first to experience something. He was the first to move into the house and was alone in it for the first night. He was laying down, ready to go to bed probably at around 11pm after locking up the house. Around 11.30 or so, he heard footsteps going from one of the other bedrooms along the hallway and into the kitchen. Being that this was the first night in a new house, he was a little rattled so he grabbed his shotgun and opened his bedroom door to see who was there. No one was in the house. Roommate A told roommate B and myself what happened and we blew him off thinking nothing of it. Nothing happened for a couple of weeks until we would hear the doorbell ring in the middle of the day for no reason. Our property wasn't one where we could go play ding-dong ditch, and if you did, we would see you coming from a mile away. This would happen sporadically throughout the year, even in the winter months, and there were no footprints in the snow. After about a month of living there, roommate B walked into the kitchen one morning when roommate A and I were cooking breakfast and asked us, were one of you taking a shower around 1.30 last night? Both of us were very confused and he goes on to say that night he heard the shower running when he was in his room for around 10 minutes and figured one of us was just showering, but we were both fast asleep. Over the next week, roommate B would have a piece of paper fly off his desk every now and then when he was laying in bed. The house didn't have an AC and his fan would not be on when these papers would fall off his desk. Little things would happen every now and then. Footsteps, papers falling, doorbell ringing, but the most action occurred when we were studying for our last set of finals before moving out of the house. When my roommates and I were talking about it afterward, 
We felt that whatever it was fed off of our stress and probably didn't like change too much because most of the stuff happened right as we moved in, during finals and when we were moving out. Well, during our last set of finals is when things kind of went haywire. Things were relatively normal, where random stuff would happen once every three days or so. But one night, I was up late studying and both my roommates were asleep. The house was all locked up and the only lights that were on were my rooms and the bathrooms. Like I said, earlier all the bedrooms were at the end of the house along with the bathroom and a hallway connected it to the kitchen and living room. Well, I needed to go to the bathroom and so I opened my door and head to the bathroom. As I am coming out, I take a step out and out of the corner of my eye, I see a shape or shadow standing at the end of the hallway, almost in the kitchen. This shadow looked basically the same shape of a human with arms but no legs, almost like it was wearing a dress or something. It stood almost to the ceiling, so around 8-9 to nine feet or so, and hovered around 1 foot off the ground. I was scared completely out of my wits, but didn't want to look at it too long in case it wanted to try and come at me or something. From the corner of my eye, I stare at it for a second, and then make my way to my room. As I am leaving, I can see it move from where I saw it, almost in the kitchen, and hover into the living room where I lost sight of it. It freaked me out to say the least, and... I couldn't really study after it and just tried to go to sleep. A couple of nights after this happened, an even closer encounter happened that screwed me up for a while and I still have chills thinking about it. So I'm going to bed after a night of studying. I typically have Netflix running as I'm going to sleep because I don't like the total silence. But I eventually pass out and all is well around 4am. I wake up in a panic, shooting up out of bed because someone is yelling and I mean screaming in my left ear the name Elizabeth. It has been over a year and I can still remember the voice clear as day. It was a deep, craggly voice that was yelling at the top of its lungs. When I heard the voice at first, I was in that half-awake, half-asleep state, and I heard the first two syllables, Eliz, and as I was shooting up, freaked out because of what I was hearing, I continued to hear the second two syllables of the name Abeth. I was shook. I didn't know what to do and my heart was racing. The Netflix stopped some time when I was asleep so the best thing I could think of was to turn on Netflix, turn around my bed so I faced the wall and try to go back to sleep. Well, I didn't really sleep much that night and I told my roommates what happened last night and they said that they didn't hear anyone yell the name Elizabeth in the middle of the night. The freaky thing is that I do not know an Elizabeth and have no idea how that name came into my head. I have been too freaked out still to see if there was any Elizabeth that was related to the property that we were renting, so it still remains a mystery of who she was. That was pretty much the climax of the activity that happened around the house because we moved out soon after that. The new owner of the house was completely renovating and adding on to the house. We always joked that the house was going to go crazy with activity, but we never contacted the owner to see if there was anything that was going on. If you guys have any answers or input, I would truly appreciate it. I've told this event to maybe three people in my life in an effort to find some understanding to it, but I just came away feeling more misunderstood. When I was 11, I lived in New Jersey with my parents and two brothers. I never really had anything out of the ordinary happen in the house until my dad started getting sick. 
I was being shielded about how sick he was because I was so young, but he had terminal cancer. This is about October of 86. About this time I started hearing the footsteps almost every night on the first floor of the house. The bedrooms were on the second floor. The dining room and living room was connected by a distinctly creaky wood floor. You knew when it was being walked on. When I first started hearing it at night, I thought it was one of my older brothers sneaking in from being out with friends. But the footsteps never stopped. It circled between those two rooms, walking on that creaking floor until daylight. This went on for months, every night, while my dad steadily grew more ill. I had stopped sleeping. I might doze for the last hour of the morning because I physically couldn't stay up anymore. But here I was, 11 years old, and I was getting angry, and one night I decided to confront this thing. My dad had been moved to the first floor of the house for hospice care. This was about April of 87. My mom had finally come to me, even though I knew in my soul and told me that he was going to die. One of the last nights I waited for the steps. Like clockwork, they arrived. It took me a few hours of crawling from my bedroom and down the stairs to get to where I needed to be. When I made it to the bottom step, my dad's room was to my right and the living room and dining room doorway was directly in front of me. I heard the footsteps walk up to the doorway and stop. I saw nothing but darkness, but I felt an intense overwhelming surge of just pure emotion. All the good and all the bad you can think of mixed together and intertwined. I remember tearing up, not out of fear but out of raw feeling. Even now it makes my eyes water. Was this the scariest thing I ever encountered? Yes, but at the same time, it didn't feel evil. This is so difficult to describe, I apologize. A few days later, April 18th, my dad died. I never heard the footsteps again. A few more days after he died, in the middle of the night, there was a knocking at the front door. Three knocks in succession. No one else in the house woke up to this either. I was the only one to hear the steps as well. No one was at the door. The porch was empty. The knocks are something I still continue to hear. Always a series of three. It doesn't matter if I'm at home or in another place. The knocks happen. At first, I thought it was a sign that someone close to me had died, but... They have happened at times when no one that I'm aware of had passed. After hearing them for 30 or so years, I'm wondering if it's a type of an acknowledgement. I do want to be clear, I don't believe this was a demon or a traditional haunting. As scared as I was when I continued to think about this years later, there seemed to be a purpose for this, and maybe it was to help my dad in his passing, but I don't know for sure, and I doubt I'll ever have answers for it. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Casper, the sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. You spend one third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. Casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies, and Casper works tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amount of both sink and bounce. Breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google, Casper is becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. Casper offers two other mattresses, the Wave and the Essential, 
The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. The Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. Casper also offers a wide array of other products, like pillows and sheets, to ensure an overall better sleep experience, all designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. Affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. Hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. Delivered right to your front door in a small, how-do-they-do-that size box. Free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial and get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com forward slash LRP and using my special promo code LRP at the checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Now in life, we all have experienced things that just don't add up and we think it's just our minds playing tricks on us due to lack of sleep or even lack of light in the area, but... For me, that simply hasn't been the case. When I was a little girl, around 4 or 5, I shared a bedroom with my oldest sister, and how the room was set up, the light from the kitchen would always shine right on the end of the bed, and I had roughly 10 to 15 teddies on the end of my bed at all times, like most little girls do. For most little girls, it's a comforting fact knowing your teddies are right there to keep you safe from nightmares, and to hold them if you were to get cold, sad, or even a little scared but I was terrified of my teddies for the longest time, during the hours of the night and only the hours of the night. The reason being is every single night I would wake up, look down at my beloved stuffed animals and could see them moving. Not moving in the sense that they were crawling up the bed towards me, but in the sense that their chest and shoulders were moving in such a way that I thought they were breathing. After I saw this, every night I would close my eyes for about 10 seconds and give them a good rub before looking back at my teddies, which by that point, I couldn't see them moving anymore. Still, I was young and easily spooked, so I would get out of bed and walk to the kitchen and sit down next to my dad to watch him play Doom. He would always ask, What's wrong, bub? Why are you awake? So I would tell him my teddies were breathing when I woke up, and I didn't want to stay in bed. My dad would just tell me it was my mind playing tricks on me as I had just woken up. Being the amazing dad he was, he would let me sit and watch him game, gave me a lull or two and put me back to bed around an hour later, pointing out that my teddies weren't moving in any way, shape or form, giving me a hug and giving me my favorite teddy to cuddle. A normal childhood fear, right? A few years later, my mom left my father and at first, we all went with her. I only lasted about three weeks before I moved back in with my dad and helped out as much as a seven-year-old could. While I was living with my mom, nothing ever seemed to happen. I took a few of my teddies with me and while with my mom, not once did I wake up to see them breathing but like clockwork, once I was back at my dad's I started to notice it again, along with some other things. I always thought I could see the shadows moving out of the corner of my eye. It got to the point where I wouldn't walk down the hallway without the lights being on and that along with my teddies breathing again, I ended up not sleeping in my room. I couldn't sleep in the dark because I felt like I was being watched. Once again, being scared of the dark is another childhood fear, but it wasn't the dark that I was afraid of. It was what was moving around in it, what was watching me from it. So I moved my mattress into the living room and slept there, where my father was up all night and watched the TV with the light on. It felt safe, and it was safe. 
Later on down the track, one of my sisters also moved back to my dad's house. She only lasted two months in her bedroom before moving her mattress into the living room and sleeping there, where my dad was all night with the lights on. My sister is three years older than me. She was ten and she was too scared to sleep in her bedroom because of what was in the dark. Our father kept telling us that there was nothing in the dark and that the house was completely safe, and I started to believe him until one day. One day in the middle of winter, I told my dad I was going to go take a bath and asked him to leave all the lights on. But when I got to the bathroom, it was just too cold, so I turned around and walked back to the living room where I heard my sister and father talking, talking about what had happened to my sister and why she shouldn't sleep in her room any longer. Something had pulled her hair and wouldn't stop poking her face. It wouldn't leave her alone. But that's what I heard her saying and my father's response gave me chills. If you just ignore them, they'll go away, and if they don't, just tell them to leave you alone. Being scared of them is what allows them to be able to reach you. I just stood in the hallway before opening the door and going to my mattress, just telling my dad it was too cold for a bath and I just wanted to go to sleep. I didn't sleep for two days. I was terrified. My sister and I both slept in the living room for over six months before going back to our respective rooms. Once I was back in my room, I would wake up because something was pulling my hair, but I chose to ignore it, just like I heard my father say, and it worked after a few weeks. I was actually sleeping through the night without anything happening. My teddies weren't even breathing anymore the times I did wake up. It was a really good few weeks, then one night at around 2am, I was woken up by my sister screaming and crying. My dad rushed to her room, his gun in his hand, thinking someone had broken in, as he went past my room, he told me to stay still and stay quiet, our guard dog in tow behind him. He wasn't barking or going off the way he did when someone was in our yard or anything, so I didn't know what was going on. A few minutes passed, and my sister walked down past my room, tears streaming down her face. The whole left side of her face was red and swollen. Shortly after, my father got us both and what we needed to sleep in the living room. Neither one of them were talking about it, so I asked what happened. My sister turned to look at me and said, It punched me. It knocked me out of the bed. I thought someone came in through my window, but nobody was there. At this point, our dad told us no more talking and to go to sleep. He would explain in the morning. Neither one of us slept. My sister cried on and off through the night, our dog taking turns at sleeping next to us and going through the house as he did every night to make sure we were safe. It felt like a year had passed before the sun came up, but once it did, my sister and I nodded off because we felt safe and we were woken up to hungry jacks in bed. Our dad waited till we were asleep, drove 40 minutes to get us breakfast wraps, and woke us up when we got home, and that's when he told us about what happened to him as a teenager. I used to get thrown around my room at night. It started small. I saw things on the shelf in my room moving when I was just a little kid, then something started pulling my hair, and by the time I was 16 it was strong enough to throw me against the wall, to the point my parents thought I was punching holes in them. Once I joined the army it stopped, I simply wasn't afraid anymore. I told them to screw off and they never bothered me again. My sister and I were confused but we tried our best not to be afraid anymore or to pay the little things any addition. When I was nine, something happened. It wasn't scary, and it wasn't something trying to hurt me. 
I was just sitting on the couch with my dad when our dog started barking and going off at the window right next to where I was sitting. Dad just told him to be quiet, but I looked over and saw my great pop just standing there, a faint smile on his lips. I was like, Dad, Pop's outside. My dad was confused but came over to the window. By that time, Pop was gone and our dog had stopped barking. An hour later, my mom called to tell me that her Pop had passed away within the last hour and that she was going to have him come get me for his funeral within the next few days. I was so confused because I had just seen him outside the window. I didn't understand in the slightest. Once my mom was off the phone, my dad just looked at me for a minute and said, He came to say goodbye to you. You can see through the veil. He went on to tell me that some people are more sensitive to spirits trying to communicate, and some people just see shadows and others don't hear or see anything. Oh, and that it's not just good spirits out there. He was hoping none of his kids would ever have to hear or see anything, but we did. It was all smooth sailing until I was 11. My other sister moved back to my dad's and we were sharing a room again. I felt safer having her there, but she didn't know about anything that happened in the past, so when something started pulling her hair and poking her face, it freaked her out. She kept it to herself, but I noticed her getting jumpy whenever she heard something when walking through the hallway or whenever the lights flickered. She quickly wouldn't sleep in the dark. She used all of her birthday money to buy a lamp which she kept on all night, every night. I was honestly waiting for her to ask dad or my sister and I about it, but she didn't. A few months later, I was cooking dinner and called out for my sister to come help by getting the plates out. Her and I were joking around and laughing as she came down the hallway. Just as she turned into the kitchen, I heard a loud slapping sound and turned to see her on the floor, crying. It slapped her right across the face. Her cheek had a massive red handprint on it. I called out for dad and he had to tell her everything. If she had just spoken to us about it, we could have told her just don't be afraid and everything would be okay, but instead she had gotten to the point where she was that scared that it could physically hurt her, just like with my other sister. All three of us were more sensitive to it than most people. I honestly think that it still bothers my dad that all three of his daughters got his gift. We didn't have any more problems after that happened to my sister, at least I didn't, not in that house. There was something good to actually come out of it. I was cooking one night and was looking in the fridge for something when I heard a very deep and gravelly voice say my name. I jumped and turned around. Couldn't see anyone or anything so I walked to the living room and asked my dad if he had called me and if he needed something. He said no, asked why and I told him what happened. He just nodded and said, I've been feeling my dad around lately. He was probably just trying to say hi. That made me happy. My pop had passed away before I was born, but everyone always said we would have gotten along great. I was the only one out of my sisters he ever tried to talk to. After that, everything was quiet. At 15, I moved to my mother's, but once I turned 16, things really hit the fan. I'll tell what happened if anyone wants to hear it. I'm now 21, and the last three years have been mostly quiet, but years 16 to 18 were the scariest and worst years of my life. Part 2 In my last post, I left a few things out simply because they weren't important to what I was telling, 
but now that I'm telling the rest of the story, I'm going to fill in some of the spaces in the timeline. Now the first very small detail is this. Since my sister and I were born, if a picture of us was taken in our father's house, there would always be a faint white line through it, off to the side of us or a small shadow in the same area. A few pictures even had an outline of something standing next to us or behind us. My mother always thought it was just the film, which is completely understandable. I would upload some of them, but I live with my mother now and my father's over two hours away and that's where the pictures are. Plus, they are probably all ruined due to all the floods at my dad's place, which happens several times a year and things always get ruined. The other main but little detail, which will hopefully help the second half of the story make more sense, is a little bit different. When I was either 12 or 13, I was visiting my mother. Her and my aunt were having a paranormal party. Kind of like a candle party, but instead of someone selling all different candles, there was a psychic who was paid by my mother and aunt to do readings for everyone who was there. Well, everyone who had someone on the other side who was either strong enough to communicate or willing to communicate as some spirits rather be left at peace. My mother and auntie were hoping to hear from my grandmother. They just wanted to know she was okay and happy. In my mother's eyes, I was too young to be a part of it, so she asked me to stay in my cousin's room and to play video games until the readings and whatnot were complete. I remember being stubborn about it, wanting to stay and hear what was to be said after what I had gone through. I wanted to know if the thing that had been bothering my sister and I would communicate with me and tell me why, but I couldn't tell my mother that as she knew nothing about it, so I didn't want to get in the way and was sent to play video games. After it was over, I was allowed out of the room and allowed to have some snacks and drinks with everyone else. The psychic was still there, but I didn't go near her as what she was paid for was over, but that didn't stop her from coming over to me. She spent about 15 minutes glancing over at me before asking my mother who I was. My mom just said, that's my daughter, would you like to meet her? She said yes, and walked over to me with my mother. Hello, my name is Sam, what's your name? I was a shy kid, so my mother gave her my name and said it was okay to me and I wasn't going to get in trouble for speaking to her. I still kept quiet. Anxiety is annoying like that. Sam then turned to look at my mother and asked her if she knew any people by four different names. My mother nodded and said, That's my mother's name, my nan's name, and my great aunt's name, but I don't know anyone by the last name. Why? Sam didn't say anything for a minute or two before saying, I understand. She wasn't talking to me or my mother. She was talking to a spirit, but we didn't know that my mother asked what she understood. What Sam said next, I don't think I'm ever going to forget because I didn't really believe it. The only reason I believed it in the slightest was because she knew three of my dead family members' names, two of which I never knew. I'm sorry, I wasn't speaking to you. I was speaking to the spirit of a young boy who's clinging to your daughter. I didn't understand how he fit into things as the other three spirits clinging to her are family and he isn't. It took my mother a few seconds to say anything. Well, who is he and what do you mean clinging to my daughter? See, the funny thing is, Sam couldn't get a hold of my grandmother's spirit simply because it's like a two-way street. Sam calls out to them and either they answer or they don't. My grandmother didn't answer because she was already there. She was with me, and if I had been allowed out there, Sam would have picked up on it, though my grandmother still wasn't communicating with her. 
She was too weak as she was protecting me along with three others. She was using all her energy just to stick with me, and I still to this day feel so guilty about it. She should have been at peace, waiting for her husband and family to someday join her, but instead she stayed. Anyways, back to the story, Sam then explained to my mother that clinging meant watching over me and that the boy was a 17-year-old boy who lost his life out the front of my dad's house when I was just a little girl. He was going to move on, but apparently he sensed darkness in our house and saw it hovering around me and apparently saw two other spirits hovering around me as well, keeping me safe, so he joined them. For no other reason than I was a little girl who had evil looming over her. She went to say that most people don't even have one spirit watching over them, and it was very rare to have more than one. She had never seen someone with four spirits watching over their soul, keeping it safe. Sam continued to explain that she closed the part of her mind that allowed her to see harmful spirits years ago, as it carried too many risks, and that she didn't know what they were keeping me safe from. And then she apologized to my mother because she wasn't going to go reaching out for it to find out what it was and what it wanted with me. Now that it's explained that I weirdly have four spirits watching over me, well three now, I can tell you what happened when I turned 16. So I had been living with my mom for three months when I turned 16 and we moved into a bigger rental place to fit my mother, my sister and I. Everything was really good. I finally had a bedroom to myself and didn't live in the middle of the bush which took 20 minutes to get anywhere via car and I thought I left all the weird stuff behind and that my life was finally moving forward and away from everything of my childhood. As soon as I moved away, I got my first boyfriend, I got my first job interview, I became the babysitter for the little girl next door to help her mother out, and everything just felt good. I honestly was so happy I wasn't even thinking about the paranormal things that happened at my dad's. I was just enjoying life. Roughly a month into my relationship, I went to visit my dad for a few days because I missed him and my sister that I now didn't live with. And at first nothing was pulling on my hair or poking at my face to keep me awake. Then my boyfriend stopped messaging me or calling me. He also wouldn't answer when I called and I just wanted to wish him a happy 18th birthday but nothing. And I got this sick feeling like something was wrong and that night I woke up to something pulling my hair really roughly too. See apparently your mental state either helps you to block things out or when it's weaker due to something the spirits can inch themselves back in because you're not as strong and that was starting to happen to me because I was scared that he was going to leave me or something. I did not work this out for about a year. Anyways, after three days, I had a nightmare that he had cheated on me, so when I woke up, I just called his phone at 3am and left a voicemail saying, I know you cheated. I forgive you, just please call me when you get this. I went back to sleep and nothing else happened that night because, in my own way, I knew what was going on so I relaxed to a certain point where they couldn't bother me. After being home for a few weeks with my mom, my boyfriend and I were trying to keep things going because he did in fact cheat on me, and even though I said I'd forgiven him, it was still hurting me though I told him everything was fine. Nothing was happening at my mom's which was great, but then one night my boyfriend got drunk and chose to tell me every detail of him cheating on me every single thing they did and how much he enjoyed it. That night I woke up, not to something pulling on my hair or poking my face, but to the feeling of someone sitting on my bed next to me. I jumped on my feet incredibly quick, 
The mattress beside me where my pillows were was indented as if though someone was sitting right there. I started to panic and just stood there looking at it. By this point I had tears running down my face even though I hadn't blinked them free. I was so scared that I couldn't move. About ten minutes went by and it was still just sitting there, and then out of nowhere the dent in my mattress just eased off. Still, I slept on the couch with the TV on. I hated being in the dark. A few months ago down the track, I had gotten a TV from my room and hooked up my PlayStation to it so I could have YouTube playing in the background while I slept to keep me calm, because now every single night something would sit down on my bed and just watch me. It would always be by my head. Sometimes it would sit right on my feet and I would just act as if though I was just asleep, hoping it would go away but it always stayed for 10 to 15 minutes and after that would just disappear until the next night. Now at the start I didn't know if it was something evil, like at my father's or one of the people looking over me just trying to be close to me. It started in February and it was now May 2013. Things were dying down I think this was because I was excited about something. My boyfriend was going to be staying with me for two whole weeks. We'd never been together in person, which is why I was able to overlook him cheating, because we hadn't had the chance to really fall in love. Now he was staying at our place for two weeks. He wasn't allowed to share my bed, which was fair as I was 16 and he was 18, but we did get left alone during the day for about five hours, and being normal teenagers, we got up to stuff, stuff we shouldn't have. While he was here, until the point we went all the way... Nothing had been happening at night because I was just so happy, but after he and I slept together, I felt very insecure and kept thinking the girl he cheated with was probably better, and once those thoughts were in my head, it started happening again, and it happened for the next three days until I was taken to the hospital for mass vomiting and dehydration. When I was sick in the hospital, nothing really bothered me. I just wanted to get home and spend the last few days with my partner. I wasn't focusing on the negatives, just about getting home. I need to tell this part even though it's not about what's going on paranormally. Now the night I was allowed to go home, about five days into being at the hospital, my doctor came into my room while my mother and boyfriend were out getting some air or something to drink and he sat down on the end of the bed and said, I ran one last test and after seeing the results, we can send you home. I looked at him a little puzzled because he hadn't told me what test it was or the results. He just sat for a minute before continuing to talk. Does your mother know you're having sex? I felt a little upset and a little scared and really annoyed and just let the words flood out. Do I have an STD? Did he give me an STD? We, we only did it once. My doctor chuckled and quickly apologized for it before saying, No, you don't have an STD, but you're pregnant. It's very early, your hormones have barely changed, but it's why you're so sick. It's not common that someone women will start showing early pregnancy signs only a few days after conceiving, and I think that's what's happening here. I'm not going to tell your mother, but you should. I'll get the paperwork ready to send you home. I didn't tell anyone for three weeks, and it wasn't my boyfriend or my mother. It was my father. I had gone to visit him, and I was so sick that he wanted to take me to the hospital, and that's when I said, Dad, I think I'm pregnant. He was very disappointed, but he went to the store and bought three different types of home pregnancy tests and each one of them came up positive. I think it was the next day I called my boyfriend and told him. He wanted me to have an abortion, but that's just not who I am and it started fights and we fought for the next three weeks. 
Now I was in bed at the end of those three and I woke up too, not something sitting on my bed or pulling my hair, but to quite a lot of blood. I walked myself to the hospital that day and they took some blood and gave me an ultrasound. I had lost my baby and I couldn't tell anyone apart from my father and my boyfriend, but both were okay with the outcome. Now it was mid-July. I was an absolute mess and I had to hide it from my mother and sister, but there was no hiding it from whatever it was clinging to me. Every night it would appear and sit on my bed multiple times, sometimes for up to an hour. Small but weird things started to happen around the whole house. Once my mother was walking through the hall and walked through something, she asked both my sister and I if we knew what it was, but we didn't. It smelled like rotting eggs. It was like a brown, translucent, gelatinous substance. It was trailed throughout the hallway, but the biggest amount was right under the manhole. The smell was so sickening. I cleaned it up. I thought that was it, even though I didn't know what it was, but then I'd say about a week later I was getting some pots out to cook dinner, and this disgusting substance was through everything in the cupboard. My family and I didn't know what was going on, but we dealt with it as it continued to happen. September 2013, it was about a week after my boyfriend left me when things really hit the fan. I was asleep in my room and something crashed in my face so hard when I woke up from it I was crying without knowing why. I didn't know what had hit me or fell on me, so I got up and walked over to my light, tripping over something several times before reaching it and turning it on. I was shocked by what I saw. My cupboard doors were wide open. Every single thing that was in them was flung across the room. All my teddies, my clothes, every single thing I owned. There was only one thing still in my cupboard. A box that contained my grandmother's veil. My mother had given it to me when I moved in with her, knowing grandma was watching over me. She thought it would make her happy if I were to have it. It was the only thing left untouched, as if it couldn't touch it. I was left with a black eye and a bloody nose from my jewelry box striking my face. I remember that I just sat down on my bed and took a couple of deep breaths, trying my hardest not to break down before calling my dad and told him what happened. This is what he said. Bub, you need to get the house blessed. Look for someone in your area who will investigate it and get what they need to bless the house. I spent the rest of the night cleaning up my room and caught my mom as she was leaving for work to tell her what had happened and what dad had told me. My mother kind of knew something was going on because something had been pulling her hair in her sleep but she didn't believe getting the house blessed would do anything so she told me to simply ignore it. As it turns out my sister was getting her hair pulled and having her face poked again. Both my older sister and dad told me that when they would come to visit their hair would get pulled or something would sit down on their beds. Everyone thought that something was going on, but weren't talking about it until I told them what happened in my room. February 2014, my mother and sister were out of town for two weeks for my sister's 21st. I was fine with being alone. Much of the same had been happening. Things getting thrown from the cupboard, the brown substance showing up randomly in the hallway, having someone sitting on my bed for hours on end. It had been almost five months. I was woken up to the sound of something breaking in the kitchen. I thought someone had broke in, so before leaving my room, I called 000 to get the cops on the line and I remember being asked to look outside my bedroom quickly to see if I could see anything about the person or people in my house. So I did just that and nobody was there. Every single cupboard was open, plates and glasses were broken, 
The tap was running and the oven was on with the door open. Apparently my breathing had stopped as the operator kept asking if I was okay, if I was still there. What was I seeing, but I just cleared my throat and apologized to her, saying it was just my cat. Then he just knocked something off the sink. Once I was off the phone, I started to clean all the broken glass and whatnot. I didn't realize the brown substance dripping down the cupboards until I went to put some of the things away. I hadn't even noticed the smell before I had gotten so used to it. This continued to happen through the two weeks my mother and sister were away and I had to get my mom to take me to get more plates when she got home because there were only about 5 out of 30 that weren't broken. I had to explain it and my mom told me to look up ways to keep things away but I never found anything that worked too well. Burning sage would slow things down for a few days but that was about it. Things kind of stayed the same until November that year. That's all I have time for today. There's still another year of misery to go over, where things got so bad that we had to move houses. But, if anybody has any advice on how to deal with things like this, please let other people know. I lived in my flat, apartment for American friends for about four years. My other half has lived here for two and a half of those years. The other half is into witchcraft, mostly for protection and divination purposes, and since he's moved in, weird things have been happening in the flat. Nothing too scary. Thing is getting knocked off the wall in the middle of the night. You'll see someone walk past the doorway, but when you check, everyone is in their rooms. The punch bag will start swinging when there's nobody near it. We periodically cleanse the flat, but it never seems to have much effect other than slightly lessening the weird vibe my other half says he feels here. So nothing really scary, just a few creepy occurrences every now and then. Until a few weeks ago, when I woke up at around 3am and the bedroom door was rattling, as though a strong breeze was rolling through the house. Except all the windows were closed. I thought maybe it was the cat, but I didn't get much chance to check as my son woke up and the rattling stopped. I gave him a bottle, go back to bed, and as I was setting back to sleep, it began again. I thought about opening the door so I could pretend it was just the wind, and suddenly it ramped up. Now it sounded like someone was trying to open the door, but they couldn't figure out how to turn the handle, so instead they were just violently shaking the door, so it definitely wasn't my cat. I freaked out, shook my other half awake, and the rattling stopped dead. He didn't hear it had no idea what I was talking about, but stayed awake to keep watch while I went back to sleep. We got his brother, another witch, in to do more powerful cleansing, which seems to have worked because nothing creepy has happened since. I'm hoping it stays that way, but my other half has a history of stuff like this, so I'm not going to hold my breath. I think I was 16 back then. I'm male and you could say I'm a bit of a geek. I would write short, scary stories and let my classmates read for fun and see what they think. I live in the Philippines in a very small town back in the province. We were renting a small ancestral Chinese house from an old, very old Chinese couple who owned a commercial building just beside the house. The couple, they're going to be a whole nother story. The house's first floor was closed up and was made into a makeshift garage, so we lived on the second floor. Everything was there, the bath, the kitchen, etc. 
It was, you could say, a very normal night, nothing special. Me and my family had dinner, watched a little TV for a couple of hours and called it a night. I tucked myself to bed and drifted off to sleep right away. Now all the lights are off. The only light coming through our house is the light from the lamp posts outside which would come from the living room to my room. So when you're in my room and the lights are off, you can only see shadows and shapes and from little to no color at all. I hope you can picture it out. Our doors are not the usual doors. Before you could open the door, there's a long curtain covering it. I didn't know why it was like that back then, but I think it was for aesthetic purposes. Now, everyone who knows me knows that I hate it when my door is left open. I always want it closed so that I'm not disturbed when I'm writing or anything. My room is my sanctuary. I think it was the middle of the night when I was woken up by nothing. Still half asleep, I quickly looked at my door to check if it was closed so I could go back to sleep again. Then I faced the opposite direction, only to feel a hand grazing the back of my neck. Why? Because my door was not closed. It was semi-open like someone left it that way, leaving a small gap. I wish I could say it was only that, but as soon as I looked back at the door, I could see a figure of an old lady wearing a worn-off nightgown. She was peeking through the small gap at the door. Her right hand was even holding the curtain away so she could have a better look at me. She was trying to see if I was awake. Her head was moving back and forth like a very curious person, but she made sure she didn't make a sound. I had some shivers run down my spine. Is this real? I was sure it wasn't my mom or my sister. I couldn't move one bit. I had to grab my blanket and cover myself, but as fate would have it, it was still nicely folded and new and I didn't have the strength to unfold it and use it as a shield. I closed my eyes and prayed for her to go away. But no, when I opened them she was still there. I assumed she couldn't see if I was awake or not so I started studying her. With my eyes squinted to look as if though they were closed, and during this whole encounter I could hear like an echoing sound. It was like distracting me from hearing other normal sounds. As I was staring at her, I noticed that she would peek at the gap of the door, then look at the floor, then back at me again. It was curious what she was looking at, so I looked at the floor. I wish I hadn't. Big mistake. I saw that her gown was dripping, and it made a small puddle and she was stepping on it. She would stare at it and then at me. I still couldn't move at this point. I just closed my eyes and kept on praying and praying. Maybe about three minutes later... I opened my eyes and she was gone. I made a huge sigh of relief, but then I heard a voice, an old lady's voice. It was an echoing voice that said, Let's come back tomorrow. He's already asleep. I was floored. She was not alone. I couldn't believe what I had just heard. I was at a full panic. Then after that, everything just went away like nothing happened. No puddle or whatever it was. No sign of her, but... The door was still half open. I don't know how I managed to fall asleep, but I did. And the next morning, I wanted to tell my mom what had happened, but my jaw was locked. I couldn't open my mouth, and it was incredibly painful. I cried, and we went to the hospital to have me checked out. My name is Donald Thacker, and I am 39 years old. I served and still serve in the 35th U.S. Army Infantry Division as a second lieutenant. During patrol and combat, I am a demolition engineer, which in general terms is a soldier that places tripwire mines, S-mines, C-4s, M-18 claymores, and other crap. 
Afterwards, I prime them on, so they can explode on contact like the mines and claymores, or they can be prepared to detonate by remote activation like the C4s do. At night, I'm a tracker which, in general terms, is a serviceman or a woman who wears night vision goggles to make sure the enemy doesn't relocate or attempt an attack. If the enemy does, we alert our commanding officer, our CO, about it. This took place seven years ago during the Afghanistan war that I have been in since 2002. I have had many stories to share about the war, but this one has to be the scariest. It was 2011 during Operation Hammerdown, so I was a sergeant major at the time. We had just finished tearing up a Taliban campsite and moved our site close to the one we just took. Our platoon captain ordered me to rig a few C4s and medium-sized S-mines around our campsite for safety purposes and in case the Taliban attempted to retake the campsite. Dust fell fast and sure enough I was behind a pile of sandbags, tracking enemy movement with my fellow service mate, Stevie Kurtz. However, there was no enemy in my line of sight, and Stevie informed me that he couldn't see any Taliban either. With that, we reported to the captain, in which he explained how the Taliban's falling back, but ordered us to take a final scout around to make sure no stragglers were still out there. We went back out, and sure enough, nobody was in sight, until I spotted a figure moving behind a tree with the tree line to the east. I nudged Stevie and asked him if he saw the figure. He told me he didn't and pointed towards the direction I saw it, to which he looked. He told me that he spotted the figure leaving a tree. I peered through my goggles and surely enough the figure had moved. That's when Stevie raised his M4 commando assault rifle in its direction, while I continued to stare at it through my green lens. We did have orders to shoot on sight if anything got within 100 feet of our sight. The figure left the tree line as it started to get closer. I zoomed in to get a better view, but... The image was too blurry, so I zoomed out just enough that I could start to make out its features. It was tall, like non-humanly tall. Recollecting my thoughts now as I write this, I'd say it was about 7 feet and it didn't have any hair. As soon as we analyzed it, Stevie looked as shocked as I did. What? What is that? He asked. I can't tell. Maybe it's a freakishly tall and bald tango. I replied. Yeah, you call that, well, thing a tango? Steve inquired with a hint of sarcasm. Upon second glance, I began to realize more and more that unknown figure was not human. I don't like this, Stevie said with a shiver in his voice. I was feeling the same and wondered if I should report it to the captain. He told us not to report anything unless it's 150 feet away. It got even closer, bypassing two road signs, in which it was as tall as both of them. Now, due to it being closer, I was able to make out more of it. It appeared to have scales, making it a reptilian-like humanoid. It had both long arms, fingers, and legs. When I got about 175 feet away, I wanted to scream because I saw that the long fingers weren't fingers. They were claws. Claws that stretched about 5 inches from its actual fingers, and its eyes were a scarlet that pierced my brain. This was probably no reptilian creature known to man, and it looked like something out of a horror movie. It eventually let out a loud hiss which caught us and the other two trackers on the other side of the campsite off guard. They told us to quiet down, and we told them that we weren't making any noises. They ordered us to explain ourselves, and we explained to them about the creature we just watched. 
The two just told us that we were tired and are imagining things. We told him to have a look through our glasses, and just as he did, an explosion occurred about 75 feet away from us. One of my medium S mines just went off, and it was slightly toward the direction where I saw the creature. The entire company raced out of their tents and bags to see what was up, and the captain yelled at me, asking me what happened. The four of us told him that one of the mines had gone off and he had Jumbo, our radio men, get on the headset with HQ. The captain wanted me to tell him if we saw anything and Stevie and I recited the whole thing. The captain responded just the same as the other two. He told us to get some shut-eye and that it was probably a slight discharge to the mine which caused the explosion. The reserves filled in our two spots that night and I couldn't get a second of sleep that night. The next morning we didn't spot the creature assuming he blew up in the explosion or fled the area. A squad including myself, Stevie, the captain, the two other trackers and a few other soldiers investigated the scene. We saw that there were some dry yellowish green liquid stains and pieces of scaly skin. Stevie and I thought this was proof of what we saw, but the team dismissed the skin as that from a native snake and the liquid as dirty pee. One thing that stood out to me though was the organ and three bones we found, but they dismissed thoughts as the Taliban's. To this day I still have nightmares and conspiracies as to what that creature was, an unknown species finally making its way out of hiding, an enemy soldier in dress up, probably not, a mutant made by the Taliban or her own government who used this creature to scare our or their military presence. Maybe a test of some sort of assault species created by the depths of Area 51 to kill our enemies. These all sound weird, but due to all the secrets in our own system of government and in life, who knows what that creature Stevie and I saw seven years ago could be. I had always been a gentle-natured person as a child more of the passive type, in order to avoid confrontation. I never wanted to fight, but trouble always seemed to find me regardless. So when a friend of mine joined the Marines, I was surprised to find myself contemplating the same decision. This was all going down during the recession in 2009, a time where no jobs were available to high school graduates. Reluctantly, I ended up on those infamous yellow footprints. My time in the Marines would give me thick skin and a bit of an edge. Fast forward a year later, my unit and I were out in the middle of the desert training for what would be my first deployment to Afghanistan. I was in an infantry unit and assigned to one of the companies. My job was in communications, so anything involving radios to satellites was in my domain of responsibilities. A month into the training op, I quickly ran into some serious problems dealing with comms. When you park your campsite next to a huge rocky hill, you're going to run into some issues getting magnetic waves to penetrate solid rock. Grunts aren't the dumbest of people, but on occasion you will come across a special kind of individual who seems to react to electromagnetic waves the same way someone would to magic. This complicates my job tremendously when they refuse my instructions for properly implementing various radio systems. I worked under several people and as the boot, I wasn't taken as seriously as should have been being that I was the expert on the matter. Arsenal, a fellow marine, was assigned to the company along with me. The guy was your real-life Smeagol from Lord of the Rings. Our paradynamic was out of whack due to me being a new marine. Arsenal would often disregard my warnings and cause some major comm failures. 
he would just pass these off as my mistakes. One day Arsenal made one too many mistakes and one day during a practice assault on a compound. The day was over and comms were functioning normally again. To be honest, some days you just had to pray the radios would work. We worked directly under the company Gunny, who at first seemed like the most chill and kind-loving natured person. I would soon find out the truth. He had called Arsenal and I into the wooden control room. All of a sudden, we were both pinned up against the wall tasting that good pine wood when he said, I'm going to mess you both up. His eyes were bulging out of their sockets like some kind of lunatic. The smell of cigarettes also filled my nostrils, making me sick. Spit spewing into the side of my face. His veins began to swell all over and blood filled his whole face. Then he started taking off his belt, shouting at me that he was going to have his way with me. I honestly believed I was about to be assaulted. We were both scared. He started telling us he was sick of comms not working and getting hounded by the first sergeant on the issue. When I thought things couldn't get worse, they did. He pulls out his pistol, cocks it back, loading around into the chamber. He held it to Arsenal's temple, yelling, Which one of you idiots is to blame? Of course, he would say me. These two minutes seem like an eternity of me begging for another chance to make things right. I have never been more afraid thinking I was going to die over stuff that was literally out of my control. Out of nowhere, he was being called by the first sergeant and begins to put his belt back on and holster his gun. I have never been more relieved in my life. I could have peed myself and not realized that I had. In prison, the saying, snitches get stitches, tend to ring true in the core. All senior marines have each other's back, hence why nothing was ever done about him. I saw him from time to time. Gunny seemed like he was a completely different person, but I always knew better. He was bonkers. I knew about the demon that hid behind the disarming, charismatic smile. Later on into my career, he was prohibited from holding a weapon, which is crazy since his whole career hinged on the use of them. I'm a 23-year-old college student. My girlfriend of 6 years is 22, also a student. At the time the story takes place, we were both still in our late teens and attending a local community college. At the time, let's call her Quinn, was working at the Spencers in our local mall. I was and am still working at another wonderful retail establishment. Now as an attractive teenage girl and working at a softcore shop, you can imagine the breed of creeps she had to tolerate while working there. Trust me, we have some stories ranging from creepy dads, even to a recently released mental patient. All stories for another time, I suppose. But the one we will be talking about today, well, he may be the worst of the bunch. Quinn was closing one night and a pair of guys came in. One of the guys comes up to her. He was wearing a college sweater but looked way too old to be an undergrad. He introduces himself as Kyle and says that he just recently transferred from another school and was about to graduate with his BA at a public college nearby. So, what are you doing after this? We're going to a party if you'd like to come by, he asks. Now Quinn, when you first meet her, is often shy and reserved. That being said, she was used to getting hit on by her customers while she worked in Spencer's. Even if she wasn't in a relationship with yours truly, she would have done the same thing that she had done that night, which was turn him down nicely and go home to snuggle with her cat. Uh, sorry, I already have plans, she answered. 
and that was that, and disappointed Kyle left. Fast forward a few months, same scenario. Quinn is closing, and Kyle and his buddy come in, only this time he introduces himself as Ben. Ben says he had recently transferred to the nearby university, only this time his school of origin had changed. While these came across as massively red flags, Quinn wrote it off. Maybe she didn't remember his exact name or his exact college. Everybody who has worked retail knows that the same customer could come to your register twice, maybe even three times in a day, and you won't even recognize them. But another day when Quinn was walking around the mall on her break, Ben comes up to her again, new name and new school. This song and dance went on for several months. Each time he acted like he didn't recognize her, to the point where it was dang near impossible to write it off. One day near the end of the spring semester I was walking out of class. I pulled on my phone to check on any texts that I may have gotten while I was spacing out during my lecture. My phone had blown up in my absence. I had received a bunch of messages, some from a number I didn't recognize, some from Quinn. Quinn had been at the Wawa right near campus. When she went to return to her car, she recognized Kyle Ben waiting for her. At the time, Quinn was well known for her blue Mustang. Many people knew that car was hers, but there was no reason for Kyle or Ben to know what car she drove. Dude, is this your car? He asked. Uh, yeah? Quinn trailed off. Maybe you could come take me out in it sometime, said Kyle Ben. He asked her for her number. I don't really give out my number, she answered, trying to get away from this guy. He persisted. She made a clutch move and gave him my number. I opened his messages. They read, Haha, hey, it's me from the gas station. You look so creeped out, sorry if I scared you. I'm 23 by the way. Like I said, the guy obviously was much older than what he put on, and the way he dropped his age unsolicited was a major red flag to me. I wanted to message this creep and tell him to leave Quinn alone, but she begged me not to. She didn't want to cause any trouble or make him angry. He, after all, knew what she drove, where she worked, and reluctantly I respected her wishes. Months had passed. Quinn leaves Spencer's when they started to conflict with her education, and we hear little to nothing of Kyle or Ben. One day, a year or so later, she tags me in a post. It was one of those share-to-warn-your-friends-of-this-creepy-idiot posts. This one was about Kyle Ben. His real name is Craig, and he is notorious around her area for lurking around malls and college campuses, harassing and stalking girls. Many times he's gotten aggressive, calling girls all sorts of names, and he would text girls non-stop after a date has gone awry. Dozens of girls came forward, sharing their stories. A private support group page even started for Victims of Creepy Craig. I read through these stories, each closely resembling Quinn's, others far worse. Eventually Craig caught wind of this, threatened to hurt himself, and all of the posts in the page eventually gotten taken down. More time passes. Creepy Craig is a distant memory. I'm at work one night when Quinn sends me a message. It was a mugshot of Creepy Craig. He had been arrested for doing terrible things to a 13-year-old girl. I'd like to say that I was surprised, but I really wasn't. I'm just thankful this guy is a known offender now, and hopefully he won't get the chance to attack any more girls. For general context, I am an 18-year-old female living along the mid-Atlantic coast of the United States. 
This incident occurred during this past summer when I was working at my job at a local pharmacy. I had worked this job for a little over two years at that point, needing to make ends meet in order to pay for gas and other necessities throughout my high school years. My co-workers always treated me like a little sister since I was the youngest employee on the team, and it's something that I've always appreciated during my time working there. When I first started working for the store, I was a typical awkward high school girl with very little to no experience working in customer service, let alone talking to complete strangers day in and day out. However, over the years I had grown much more outgoing and demonstrated a rather bubbly attitude towards people, comfortable with the idea of helping complete strangers with a rather positive attitude. I lived by the motto, treat others the way you wanted to be treated, while on my shifts and usually I had no backlash with that kind of work ethic. I suppose you could say I let my guard down a bit with this demeanor, and after the experience I had while working at the store, I had become more reserved and less outward with my introductions to people. The town where I live is notorious for its bad reputation with drugs. The heroin epidemic in the area has spiked significantly over the past 20 years due to various amounts of causes. It's not unheard of for stores around where I work to have stories of people ODing in their parking lots or bathrooms, and even my store had some strange characters come in. People obviously strung out on drugs with slurred speech patterns and erratic behavior were somewhat of a common occurrence. My coworkers and I learned to get used to them coming in and since I was the number one counter girl to ring them up for whatever the cheap cigarettes they needed to buy or whatever the case, I became accustomed to their behavior. They usually came in during the late evening hours when I worked, as I was the night shift, and usually there were other co-workers or managers on the floor, so I never felt completely isolated with these druggies. I should also point out that I'm only about 5'2 with blonde hair and, without sounding too obnoxious, a rather good-looking girl. I would get some comments here and there about my appearance, and I would politely thank them, as it wasn't usually anything too straightforward or gross in the least bit. However, there were a few occasions where I would get some crude comment about my body, or all the things the particular person would like to do to me. I usually just laughed it off awkwardly as I was never too sure what to do or say in those situations without the risk of losing my well-loved job. There were also a few times when I would notice a man following me in the store. It was never obvious enough to scare me, usually when I would be stocking shelves I notice a guy standing a bit too close in the aisle reading labels of vitamins I know shouldn't be that interesting. None of that prepared me for what was to come. This particular event occurred one late afternoon during the summer. It was around 4 or 5 in the afternoon and we had just received our shipment of food to unload for the following week. I grabbed one of my carts and started gathering some of the candy from one of the many totes of food we received and began doing my job. I noticed a man walk down into my aisle and started to aimlessly look at all the candy. He was black, about 5'10", and semi-stocky in build with a red t-shirt on and some gym shorts. I'd say his age range was somewhere in his mid to late 20s. I asked him kindly with my overly polite customer voice, Do you need any help with anything, sir? He looked over at me and gave me a smile, but something about it I knew was off. I can't pinpoint it to this day, but it was something that made me put myself a bit on guard just by the look he gave me. Uh, no, not right now, the man replied before seemingly looking back at the candy and staring at it like it was going to move or something. I went back to work, stocking up the candy on the higher shelves and minding my own business. 
This went on for about 10 minutes or so and the man was still in the aisle with me. At that point, I was starting to get a bit creeped out. What guy stands in the candy aisle and just stares at the candy for that long? I decided to put things to the test. I walked away from my candy for a bit and went to the back room to organize some shelves before heading out to the main floor again, but this time in another aisle with different items to unload. As predicted, he found me in the aisle once more and stood in the aisle, randomly picking up items and setting them back, as if though he was reading them. Finally, after about five or so minutes of awkward silence, he chimed up. Hey, uh, do, do you actually mind coming over for a second? I have a question about one of these sales. I looked over at him. His face relaxed from that creepy grin, but that feeling of worry still creeped throughout my body. Despite this, I replied back, Uh, yeah, sure, what's your question? I walked over towards him, myself facing the shelf on the aisle, analyzing the tag to see what his problem might be. The man stood about a foot from me, sideways, so he was facing me. Yeah, I was, uh, wondering... Where did this sale... When does this sale end? He asked, voice a little shaky. I kept my gaze away from him, not wanting to look him in the eye. The question was rather stupid to say the least, as it stated on the sales tag on the bottom right corner when the sale ended. It ends on the 21st. I replied, a little curtly, trying not to sound impatient, when I noticed out of the corner of my eye a slight repetitive movement coming from the man. I couldn't be sure what it was, but I quickly scurried away as the man just gave me total creeper vibes. That was the moment I started getting scared. I went into the back room a second time and hid in the bathroom for about 10 minutes or so. Did I see what I thought I saw? No way. It couldn't have been anything. I wasn't even looking at him. It was simply a quick glance that could no way confirm what horrific thing I thought I noticed. Calming myself down a bit, I splashed some cold water on my face and went back to the candy aisle I had previously been working in, and went back to stocking shelves with the man nowhere in sight. I let out a sigh of relief and nearly pushed him out of my mind when I turned around in the aisle, some bags of Smarties on the cart behind me, and he was standing there to the right of the cart. My heart dropped, but I proceeded to keep my gaze lowered while I organized some more bags of candy when I turned my gaze towards him noticing the repetitive movement again and almost let out a scream. His body was positioned the same as before when he asked me about the sales tag earlier, his one shoulder pressed against the shelf of the aisle and his body facing me. He had his privates out of his gym shorts and fully stroking himself off in the middle of the store, not one foot away from me. I stood there in shock for a brief second before darting into the next aisle over where, conveniently, my manager was. I grabbed her and pulled her into the back room, nearly crying and stumbling on the words I was saying. Now, something you need to know about this manager is that she is a complete spitfire. She's in her late fifties and is smaller than me, but has the attitude and hot-headed nature of a bull. So when I told her that this strange man decided it would be a good idea to show his affections towards me by jerking off in front of me, her face went bright red and took off out of the back room. Now instead of going and chasing after him like she wanted, she instead went out into the parking lot to identify his tag number on his license if he got into a vehicle. Sadly, by the time she had gotten out of the store, the man had taken off on foot across the highway that ran by our store. I sat, shaking and in shock in the office over that. The cops were called and we filed a report on the man and pulled the surveillance tapes. 
The day following, we get a call from the state police that a man was arrested doing the same exact thing to another female employee in a town about 20 minutes away and was arrested. I'm not entirely sure what happened after that, as I got mixed reports from the police that he fled to another state and another report saying he was arrested once more for an indecency charge. To this day, I still haven't really gotten over that. If any lesson was to come for this, even working in customer service where you need to have a smile and chipper attitude, always keep a guard up because you never know who could abuse that. When my dad was really young, he and his family had a dog that they loved. My dad and his two siblings used to play with the dog by putting a sheet over themselves and walk around on their hands and feet. When the dog died, they still did this as an inside joke. One day when my dad was home alone, he was sitting in the hallway looking into the bedroom. All of a sudden he got a weird feeling and saw the sheet stand up like there was someone or something underneath it. At first, he thought it was one of his siblings messing around and then realized that they weren't. The figure in the sheet rushed across the room and into his closet. Confused, he got up and went to the closet to see what made the sheet move. The sheet was there, but no one was in the closet. To this day, he still believes it was the ghost of his beloved dog trying to cheer him up. This experience happened about four years ago when I was 13 years old and when I was in 7th grade. I'm about to turn 17 in September. My name is Jack Martin and I live in Delaware, Ohio with my parents and two little sisters. The younger sister is Becky and the older sister is Allie. Let me describe my neighborhood at the time of this experience so you can get a good sense of my surroundings. I live in a not-so-urban neighborhood due to it being relatively small at the time but has changed a lot throughout these past four years. The neighborhood was halfway surrounded by trees and halfway surrounded by U.S. highways where the traffic flows and whatnot. Unlucky for me, my street was by the forested area and I only had five neighbors in my street in which they each lived about seven to ten blocks down from one another. What was lucky is that two of my best friends lived and continued to take refuge in my street. We'll call them S and A for privacy reasons. We'd usually get together on the weekends and play a couple of games of magic or some video games together, but that has changed since this experience. It was a Friday in March and my parents were going out to dinner in the theater for the night, which placed me on babysitting duty. My two younger sisters were counter opposites of me, which tells you what I already had to deal with that night. Becky was nine at the time and Allie was eleven. They were your average girly girls with the usual talk being school gossip along with makeup and, as they say, stylish clothes. I was upstairs in my room playing some Halo 3 ODST and every once in a while checking on my two sisters. Everything was going as I expected so far. However, at 10 that night, Becky hollered up to me that someone wanted to talk to me on the phone. Flags began to rise and upon my arrival downstairs, I scolded Becky for answering the phone because she knew she wasn't supposed to, but she claimed that it could have been mom or dad calling to check on us. I explained to her that our parents' names would have appeared on the caller ID, and then came her usual, oh, I didn't know that. I took the phone and asked her what the caller said. She replied that the caller was a man, and he wanted to know if our parents were home. She then explained to the man that she was home alone and with her older sister and brother. I questioned her as to if we even knew this person, and she replied, 
No. Afterwards, she told me that the caller wanted to speak to me because I was the oldest. I thought maybe this person needed help or this was a misdial, so I continued the call to apologize for the wait. However, I did make a plan in case if this was a prank call or if this was a person not to be socialized with. I collected my thoughts and calmly stated, Who are you and do you need help? The man on the other line replied with a raspy voice, Ah, Jack, isn't it? The flags began to fly. He knew my name? How? How do you know my name? I asked him. Trust me, I've known your family for a while, but I've never noticed that you had another sister until now. He responded. This raised a little more red flags because if he knew my family, he would definitely have known about Becky. However, I was considering at the time that he might have been an older friend that parents haven't seen in a while. He told me that he knew my parents were gone today, and when I asked him how he knew, he chuckled. Well, they told me, of course. However, I knew my parents, and they've never told anyone about date night besides family, and I knew this guy wasn't in our family. With this in mind, I attached the pieces together and called him out on his bullcrap. Then I asked again in a more demanding tone, How did you know my parents were going out on a date today? His reply made my heart drop. I'm outside your door, kid. I began to gag as I saw the shadowy outline of a person with greasy, messy, and tangled up hair at my front door. I ordered Becky to grab Allie, wherever she was, and to vacate to my parents' room for the man intruding wouldn't likely suspect them to be hiding there. When Becky asked why she should, I pointed to the shadowy figure who was trying to open the door and yelled, There's someone trying to break into our house. It only took one glimpse at the man who was now doing something to the lock, processed with what I had said, to have her screaming to Allie to run to our parents' room. Now I had to be on the defensive, so I went to the kitchen and grabbed the largest steak knife to protect myself just as I heard a click at the front door. The man had picked our front door lock and was starting to enter our house. I appeared from around the kitchen counter to see him moving slowly into the entryway, wielding two switchblades. He asked where I was and promised not to hurt me, which I knew was a complete lie. I knew if I were to make a move or a sound, I was dead. I didn't know what to do, but that didn't matter because in some stroke of luck, I heard the barking of dogs, followed by the familiar voice of A, shouting, What is this? The man spun on the spot and soon made a mad dash out the door. He was soon chased by another figure and upon second glimpse, I saw it was S. The relief I felt could not be mistaken. Those two had just saved not only my life, but my two sisters as well. Upon seeing them, I cried and thanked both of them a thousand times for they were truly amazing gifts from God. They hugged me and told me that they'd do anything for their best friend. I grew curious and asked how they knew that I was in trouble. They explained how they were walking their dogs and saw somebody entering my family's house with the door wide open behind them, which they thought was suspicious. When they got extremely close to the house, the dogs started barking and roaring, which made A shout in suspicion. This caused the intruder to startle and made him flee the house. However, when I asked Est where he is, he stated that he chased him all the way to the tree line, where he disappeared from sight. After hearing their information, I returned inside to report my two sisters that the intruder was gone. They indeed made it to my parents' room, for we found them locked in there shaking and crying. After we told them what happened, they cheered with relief. 
Afterwards, we waited for my parents so we could report what happened. Upon their arrival, they were both shocked and scared to discuss our encounter, but relieved to see us all holding out very well. During the discussion, my parents agreed not to go out that much in order to keep us safe until further neighborhood expansion could be done. My two best friends hung out with me six days a week in order to ensure nothing like this would ever happen again. It probably won't though, for those woods are now a thing of the past. As for the man, he is nowhere left in this place to hide from me and my best friends, in which we would do almost anything to ensure that he won't get away next time. So to the intruder four years ago, don't ever come anywhere near us again, or else you'll forever regret it. I'm a 22-year-old French-Canadian female from Quebec City and last year I experienced something out of the ordinary. I was studying in Tahiti, French Polynesia for about three months when I decided to take part in a two-week field trip to New Caledonia, organized by my host university. Before joining the trip, I had little knowledge of New Caledonia and the culture of the people who live there. Many of my Tunisian friends were somehow a little uncomfortable with staying on Canucks lands due to formal tribal rivalries and magic practice, but I didn't think much of it because, as I said, I knew little about the Canuck native culture at the time, and I just thought that they were only anxious about leaving the island for the first time. The first week of the field trip was amazing. We had so much fun discovering Noumea during the day and partying at night. Then for the second week, we left the capital to travel to the center of the island, where we would stay a couple of days in the mountains in a nice camp. I shared a room with my colleague Kat from Quebec, who was part of the exchange program in Tahiti like me and entered the trip too. One night, as our group was heading back to the camp from the restaurant where we enjoyed a nice meal, I got blown away by the stars in the sky. I'd never seen so many in my life. They were so shiny and sparkling. I stopped walking to look at them and this is when I felt something weird on my left bare foot. It was a sensation like I'd never felt before, as if something was caressing my foot with a million little needles. Then I felt a strong sting, followed by an intense rising pain to the top of my foot. I immediately let out a huge scream of pain and tears rushed to my eyes. It was so bad. My Tahitian friend Hal ran to me and carried me to the camp, where the light shone on my foot and showed that it was already swollen like crazy. My teachers ran to me wondering what had happened and when they saw my foot and it looked like a centipede bite, one of them started sucking the venom out of the wound. I couldn't stop crying. I was in so much pain and I was angry that I didn't get the chance to see the thing that had bitten me. South Sea centipedes are poisonous but they won't kill you, they just hurt like crazy. Another Tahitian friend of mine, Vi, came and poured a Chinese remedy on it and I felt the pain dim down a little. There was nothing more we could do that night about this incident, so I went to sleep, hoping that the day after I would be feeling better. Cat was already sleeping when I got to bed. I managed to climb into my bunk bed and fell asleep immediately. It wasn't long that I was awoken by an uneasy feeling. I opened my eyes and saw an imposing dark figure in the right corner of the room. It was standing in the dark, just before the door. Fear invaded my body. I tried to scream to wake up Cat, but only a little squeaking noise from my part could be heard. I was totally aware of my surrendering and I could see her sleeping in her bed unaware of the situation. I couldn't move at all, 
I was paralyzed. My attention was turned towards those two red eyes that shone in the corner of the room. I couldn't see its face, but this thing, this creature, certainly was not human. I remember that its arms were so long that it could touch me without even having to move close to my bed and leaving the dark corner of the room. It kept caressing me with his long claws that hung at the end of his large fingers. I could feel the tears running down my cheeks and the panic was confusing my mind. It caressed me like that from head to toe for what seemed like an eternity. Then, as it was getting more violent with its touch and approaching furthermore my bed, my Tahitian friend Vi entered the room unexpected. It vanished immediately, and I sort of woke up panicking. She was only checking on me and my foot. She gave me two Tylenol to dim down my fever and the pain. Of course, I tried to tell her that I saw a monster in the corner of my room, and of course she did not believe me and laughed it off, because... As she was saying, I was being delirious from the poisonous bite, but it felt so real, needless to say that I didn't sleep well that night. I have never seen this entity again, but I still think of it quite often and really wonder what this supernatural creature that I saw that night in New Caledonia. I never suffered from night terrors or sleep paralysis before, and this is why I keep thinking that I encounter a creepy entity that night and, for some reason... It is linked to the centipede bite. I have been doing some research on the significance of centipedes in the Kanak culture, as well as the Tahitian culture, but nothing matches the description of the event that night. Since this encounter, I've been calling centipedes demon creatures, and till this day, I have never walked barefoot on grass again. The story I am about to tell you is an experience I had when my mom was pregnant with my second brother. This happened when I was 16 and my first brother, let's call him Keenan, was 9. It's about what we Filipinos call Aswang. An Aswang is a vampire-like witch ghoul in Filipino mythology. According to legend, they love to eat fetuses and unbaptized children. They use their big wings to go on roofs or trees to watch their prey, which are pregnant women. Once these women are asleep, they will dig a hole through the roof or try to get in through the window. They will use their very long tongue to penetrate on a woman's womb and suck the life out of her baby. Me and Keenan shared a bedroom which is just beside my parents' bedroom. Outside my parents' bedroom is our water tank. If you lie on their bed, you will see the window in an open space because of the water tank, and beside it is the roof of our kitchen. If someone is to spy on us, all they need to do is climb on the roof, go to the area where the kitchen is, and they will see inside my parents' bedroom. My dad is out with friends that night. It's just me, my pregnant mom, and Keenan in the house. We were already sleeping when I heard my mom scream. I woke and checked on her. She said she just had a bad dream and asked me to stay in her bedroom for a while until she sleeps again. I agreed and lay beside her. The night was still. There was an eerie silence. I couldn't pinpoint it, but I felt like there was something wrong. I think I hear something, I said to myself. I remember hearing labored breathing. It's like someone is hiking up the mountains and catching his breath. I remember that I can hear it really close to our house. In fact, close to our bedroom. After a few seconds, the sound becomes faint, and then it became loud again. It's like someone is running, or flying in circles, and hearing it coming from the roof. Labored breathing, that's what I heard all night. 
My mom is sleeping soundly beside me. I don't think she is aware of what's going on. I was very afraid. I don't know what I was hearing. I know that it's not a cat. I never heard my cat breathe like this. I was thinking that maybe it's an Aswang. I remember my mom told me that Aswangs don't like the smell of garlic, so I got all the garlic from our kitchen and placed it on my mom's window. I remember looking at the roof and looked carefully to see if there's someone there. Maybe I would see the Aswang sitting on the roof and look at my mom. I didn't see anything. My mom woke up again. She said she was having trouble sleeping. We started to hear the same labored breathing again. My mom asked me to turn on the lights in my brother's bedroom so that the Aswang will know that we're awake. She doesn't want to turn on the lights on her own bedroom because she's thinking that maybe the Aswang will see her. I prayed so hard that night. It was the scariest sound I had ever heard. At around 12 midnight the sound stopped and we could no longer hear anything. I checked on Keenan to see if he's okay and then me and my mom drifted off to sleep. I woke up to the sound of my mom screaming. I remember that it's 3am. She said that she dreamed of a lady with black hair, black dress with flower print. The lady is in front of our gate and asking if she can touch my mom's abdomen and feel the baby inside. She refused several times but the lady kept on insisting to touch her abdomen. My mom decided to get inside her house and leave the lady outside. But when she turned, the lady was standing right in front of her with her hands reaching to my mom's tummy and my mother screamed. I calmed her down and prayed for my father to come home. After a few minutes, my dad came home and I went back to our room and slept. The next day, me and my mom woke up like nothing happened. We were not talking about the incident that happened the night before as we were both thinking that maybe it was just our imagination due to the nightmares experienced by my mom. While we were eating breakfast, Keenan woke up and came into our kitchen. He spoke to me and my mom and what he said gave us goosebumps. Good morning mom, how are you? Why did you lie beside me last night? Why didn't you sleep in your room? What are you talking about? I didn't go to your room last night. Yes he did. You lied down beside me and I said hi mama but you didn't respond. I could only see your back so I thought maybe you were sleeping already then just went back to sleep. You were even wearing your black dress with flowers on it. The dress on top of the ironing board? Yeah, that one. We went silent. My nine year old brother who was sleeping soundly last night and is therefore not aware of the events that happened last night saw a woman sleep beside him wearing the same dress that my mom saw the lady in her dreams wear. I know it's not me he saw because I don't own a black dress with flowers printed on it. I have always believed in the paranormal and I love listening to stories about it, but I have never experienced something before until this happened. My uncle died one year ago. He was sleeping on his couch when he had a heart attack. He was young and everybody in my family loved him, so it got pretty hard for us when he died. I still miss him very much. So this happened a few weeks ago. I was lying on the couch in the living room and watching a movie with my mom. I fell asleep and woke up at around 2am. I turned on the TV and went to the bathroom to brush my teeth. I walked back to the living room and laid down on the couch to watch TV and then fell asleep again. I started dreaming about my uncle. He was walking towards my house and up the stairs to talk to me about something. Suddenly, I woke up with a wired feeling in my body, almost like I was afraid and felt something or someone was coming. 
I was going to turn around to see what it was when my whole body just froze. Something was telling me not to turn around or open my eyes. But for some reason I opened my eyes and turned around. There he was. I couldn't see his face because he was just black. It was a white and blue light around him. I closed my eyes as fast as I could so he couldn't see that I noticed him, but it was too late. I felt his arm come closer to mine. He wanted to communicate with me, but I was too scared. Then I heard my mom come out of her room and my uncle disappeared. I had never been so relieved in my life. The next day, I was home alone. I could feel myself falling asleep when I got the same feeling again. I could feel him coming up the stairs again and open my eyes as fast as I could. I looked towards the stairs when I saw a shadow disappear. I know it was him. I can feel him. The same thing happened when I was sleeping in my room. I knew that he is here with me, but I don't know what he wants. Maybe he is confused or maybe he is just watching over me and wants to talk to me, but I'm too afraid to find out. This is a series of events that happened over many years of my life. I live in a small neighborhood. I have lived here all my life and I still live here today. I'm currently a teenager and don't have to live here much longer. The area of the neighborhood where I live has a main road in front of my house and a creek behind my house. When I get over the creek, there is a back alley that my insane neighbor lives in. Let's call my neighbors James, Allison, and Jeff. Those are not their actual names. Let's call my mom and grandma, Brianna and Susan, not actual names. My mom, Brianna, was friends with James, Allison, and Jeff. They also do drugs and sell them to people. My neighbors, not my mom. James was her boyfriend at the time. James is actually the father of my youngest sister. She lived with James while my sister and I lived with my grandma, Susan. My mom was abused by James, but she kept running back to him. She eventually left him for good. James started dating Allison after he and my mom broke up. My mom stopped talking to James, Allison, and Jeff. They started talking crap about my mother. I will tell more about this later in the story. A quick thing about me, I have anxiety and other problems with my mental health. I'm doing okay and I'm coping well. I have anxiety because of them. Now here's on to the story. A few years after Brianna and James broke up, I was outside with my mom and she was talking to her friend. I have seen James walking outside my house with a baseball bat. Ten-year-old me said to my mom, Mom, I've seen James walking around with a baseball bat. My mom says to me, It's okay, he won't hurt you. We stayed outside and talked to my mom's friend until she had to leave. Later that night, my mom went to go see other friends. They came to our house and we were all talking for a while. My sister and I went inside and we watched television. I actually remember the exact show we were watching at the time, Spongebob Squarepants. I was ten at the time. My grandma Susan was sitting there watching us. I heard yelling outside. My mom's friend rushed her youngest daughter inside. My grandma rushed outside. My mom's friend's daughter was wailing. My sister and I were trying to calm her down. What was going on outside was that James, Jeff, and Allison were yelling at one of my mom's friends, named Jessica and was threatening my family and wanting to hurt them. I tried to stay calm as I heard the screaming outside. The screaming went on for a long time. My mom and grandma went back inside. As I was going to try to sleep that night, I kept having nightmares about them coming and hurting my family. 
I kept on checking on the door to make sure it's locked, which is a tendency I still do today. We called the cops, but they never came. When they call the cops, though, they are right there on the spot. The cops around here are very corrupt. This story happened when I was 13. I was at school at the time. I was there hanging out with my friends, then I got called to the office. I went to the office. I was nervous because I thought I was in trouble about something. There was a lady that I didn't know. She asked me to come with her. I went into a room and she asked me questions about my home life. I found out that she was from CPS and someone called them on my mom. I answered her questions and then I went back to my friends. I ended up telling one of them what happened and he told me that everything would be okay. I was nervous all the way home and then I told my mom what happened. She freaked out. Everything was okay in the end though. And then this story happened to me last year. I was in my room. It was late at night. I was on my iPad reading a book. One of my mom's friends was staying with us for a few days. I heard yelling outside. I was alarmed. Then I heard glass shatter. I dropped my iPad on my bed and ran out of that room. I thought someone was trying to break in. I screamed bloody murder all the way into the living room. I was frozen in fear. I couldn't move. The only movement was my breathing and my shaking from fright. I cried and I was shaking. I didn't know that the window was broke until someone looked at the damage. I stayed up and I was still shaking. I somehow fell asleep. Because of that, I couldn't sleep without my dogs for months. I was scared to be near that window. and I still have emotional distress about the whole thing. This made me even more paranoid about them and I'm still nervous to this day. We called the cops and they never came. We were trying to get a court case against them for the window. We got a case but they never told us the date and the case never happened. We are still trying to get them in court and the cops are just so corrupt around here at least in my mind. This story happened sometime last month. It didn't really involve us that much. My mom was outside. Our neighbors were outside yelling insults at her. There was something on fire up the road. I honestly think they did it. My mom went to see what was up, and someone's house was on fire. While she was gone, I clutched a hunting knife and I tried to call my friend. He didn't answer. I was crying. My mom came home. I still kept the knife with me, and I ended up falling asleep with the knife nearby me. As I've been writing this, something else happened. There was this woman who also lived behind me. My stupid druggy neighbors gave her something. My mom thinks it's meth. I personally think that it's some kind of hallucinogenic. My mom thinks that they slipped her something, kind of like roofies. I honestly agree with her on that theory. The cops came instantly and they arrested the woman. I honestly don't know about my neighbor and society as a whole anymore. I really needed to get this off my chest. I've been keeping this kind of stuff from most people. It's kind of a relief to get this story out there. I'll post updates in the comments. I really hope that nothing else bad happens. I really hope that everything will be okay. This has actually given me anxiety while writing this. If you have any advice, please place them in the comments and thank you so much for reading. So this isn't really scary for other people but it is for me. When I was younger, I would tend to sleepwalk a lot to the point where I locked myself out of my house for about two hours. As I got older though, it just kind of slowed down. I wasn't sleepwalking anymore. I'd stopped for about two years before coming back. Then after the two years it would have happened, every once in a while, I would talk to things that weren't there or start looking for something that I didn't have or see things in places that shouldn't be. 
but then I'd wake up and everything was back to normal. But lately, it's gotten worse. About an hour ago, I had finally fallen asleep after being up until 1am. After a while, I remember seeing someone in the window, so I jump up and tell them to leave and I run to my parents' room panicking, telling them what happened. My dad shoots up and runs to the door with me to follow behind him. We look out to see that no one was in the yard and, if there was, we would have seen them. At this point I'm shaking and my heart is beating like crazy. After a while I calm down to think about it but I can't remember getting up or seeing my dad get up. I just remember standing at the window screaming at someone and the next minute I'm trying to explain what happened. Sorry if this is a mess, I'm still pretty shaken up after this as I can't explain what happened other than I was half awake in an almost half awake half asleep state where I see things that aren't there. The whole reason putting this out here is because I want to see if anyone else has any experiences or has any clue as to what might be happening. When I was 9 or 10, my brother and sister and I decided it would be a great idea to play with a Ouija board because there was really nothing else for us to do and I have never touched one and refused to be in the house with one because of what happened. I remember it was summer and we were outside in the garage when my sister pulled out the Ouija board and suggested we play. Of course we all agreed as we thought it was cool at the time. After an hour of talking to random things, thinking everyone else is moving the planchette, we were told we were talking to my friend's dog that had passed away. And so like idiots, we asked if there was anyone else there because the spirit said it followed my friend around. What it said next was not what we were expecting. It said that I was being followed by a 12-year-old boy who called himself Taya. He told us that his dad was mad at him and threw him in the fire and followed me around to protect me. Fast forward many years later and I'm now 15 and doing online school. In the middle of doing my work in my room with my door closed, I started to hear a knocking sound on my wall. It sounded like someone was on the other side of the wall, knocking up and down the wall. I called and asked my mom if she was home and banging on the wall, but... She told me that no one should be home other than me. It was strange, but I just played it off as the house shifting because it was winter and my house shifts all the time. A few months later, I'm at the kitchen table with my mom doing my work. My brother walks by and tells us he's going to his room or something and walks up the stairs and we see him do this. A few seconds later, I look up and see a boy with blonde hair and blue eyes peeking at me from back the hallway. At first, I thought it was my brother until we came down from upstairs. I was confused and asked my mom if she saw the person looking around the corner a few seconds ago. She told me she had no idea what I was talking about and just let it go. I saw this boy once more at my dad's house running from one side of the hallway to the other. No one else had seen him and no one knows what I am talking about. I have also seen this figure. It's a tall black thing and it's very slim with fingers that don't end. They just fade into non-existence. Whenever I see this thing I get paralyzed with fear and no matter how much I want to move I just can't and the more I try to move the stronger the sense of fear gets. No one has ever seen anything like this in my family but me and has no clue what I am talking about. I have also been woken up in the middle of the night to the sound of whispering in my room. I have woken my sister up in her sleep to tell her they're here and then started talking to things right in front of her. I was dead asleep and don't remember saying anything like this. 
When I am home alone, I feel things around me that can change my mood and I've had things push things off of shelves for no reason. The funny thing is, is that when I say stop, it stops. It would really help if someone had some answers because I have almost drove off the road because I have seen things standing in the middle of the road. Hey friends, thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and click that notification bell to be alerted of all future narrations. If you got a story, be sure to submit them to my subreddit, r let's read official, and give and receive feedback from the community, and maybe even hear it featured here on the channel. And grab early access to all future narrations for just $1 a month on Patreon, and maybe even pick up some Let's Read merch on Spreadshirt. Links in the bio. Thanks so much, friends, and I'll see you again soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.